The adjectives. What are adjectives? Adjectives are described, descriptive words added to nouns. One man is wise, rock, stand, hears, does. The other, a fool, sand, crash, hears, does not do. Now, I know in second year at Theological College, we spent a whole year studying Plato and Aristotle, man, oh man, in philosophy one. Boy, oh boy, they could go on those blokes. Four verses. Jesus does what Plato and Aristotle take a great deal of time to do. He tells us the difference between wisdom and between folly. Whenever the Bible talks about wisdom, it is always talking about reality. The, the fool, the Bible says, says in his heart there is no God. The fool's not the unintelligent. The fool is the person who's out of contact with reality. At the very core of reality is God, but the fool says in his heart there is no God. Universe, one truth. University, the place of one truth. All the other faculties branch out from the one truth that there is a God. That's the core of reality. That's why theology is called the queen of the sciences. And you come to understand all those other faculties through the one truth of God. Now notice, therefore, this fool. Jesus describes him as a fool. He comes to build his house. What does he do? He looks for position, 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 position. He looks for design. He looks for internal decor. But the reality is, the reality which he ignores is he does not put his money into foundations. I mean, when you look for an advertisement for a house, it doesn't say anything about the foundations. Why pour money into something that's not a saleable matter? And of course, today's a beautiful day. Every day's going to be a beautiful day. Why make provision for changeable weather? And yet when the wise man comes along, he's into position, he's into design, he's into decor, but he recognises the reality that foundation is vital and weather is changeable. And you must therefore make provision for changeable weather. And that's what he does. He builds deep foundations onto rock. Now, friends, some may come to church and think, well, church is never relevant for me. It's never contemporary. It's, it's good for the kids or bring them, but it's never speaks to me. I just want to say to you that today in these four verses, Jesus is answering the deepest the most heartfelt, the most profound question you can ask. When the storms of life confront me, as they inevitably will, will my life fall apart in catastrophe? Will I be devastated? How can I live now to cope with the devastation of the storms of life which are to come? And Jesus says, it depends on how you respond to his words. Now, you might come to the words of Jesus and say, isn't the Sermon on the Mount brilliant? Isn't his use of adjective brilliant? Oh, I'll memorise it. I'll meditate on it. But I won't take it too seriously. And Jesus says, for such a one, there will be a great, a mega crash. But the wise response, yes, it is beautiful. Yes, look at the use of adjectives. Yes, let's meditate on it. Uh, but the reality is that these are not the random teachings of a first century philosopher. These are the words of the king, of God's kingdom. This is the words of the kingdom of heaven. 
These are words which are worthy to guide and be my worldview. These are the words of the King of heaven itself. So I put them into practice. Now keep your finger there and come with me over to James chapter 1. You remember James is the first letter. It's the oldest letter in the New Testament. It's the most ancient piece of literature we have in the New Testament. And James is a wisdom letter. He's talking about reality. And at this point in chapter 1, page 1880, uh, on this page, he's talking about the importance of hearing well. And look at what he says in verse 22 of page 1880. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, I want you to notice four times in those brief verses from 22 to verse 25, James talks about doing. Do what it says, he says. The man who does not do what it says, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what the Lord Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount of merely listening and not putting into practice is folly. James says that merely listening and not putting into practice is self-deception. You will go away a bigger fool than you were at 10.30 this morning. Self-deception. You say, well, wait on, Mr. Preacher. Do, do you say, therefore, that the way into the kingdom of heaven is by listening to the words of Jesus and practising the words of Jesus, that I'm working my way to heaven. Now, it's quite clear the angel says in Matthew chapter 1, he will save his people from their sins. This man, Jesus, is God's Lord. And he is Lord and has every right to be your Lord. But you won't recognise that unless your eyes are open. And when your eyes are open to see who Jesus is, as you'll see in Christianity Explored, you see who yourself who yourself is and therefore you come to repent of your self-rule and turn your life over to the rule of Jesus and you recognize that Jesus is not Lord in name only but Jesus is to be Lord in quality as well he is Lord in fact so there is a big difference between evidence that you've come into the kingdom of heaven by having your eyes open and repenting and believing in Jesus and cause, evidence and cause. If I wear a wedding ring, it is evidence that I'm married. It's not the cause of me being married. If you come into my office and see the certificate on the wall, it is evidence that I'm qualified. It's not the cause of me being qualified. If you see my sporting trophy, it is the evidence that I have won. It's not the cause of me winning. If I wear a stethoscope around my neck, it is evidence that I'm a health worker. It is not the cause. And therefore, doing these words of the Lord Jesus is the evidence that you have brought your life under his lordship, that your eyes have been opened, you see reality, and you've entered the world of wisdom by repenting and believing in him. 
So therefore, what Jesus is saying here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is go and practice the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Well, that's it for today. Go out there and do the Sermon on the Mount. You say, well, wait on. That's a pretty big ask to do the Sermon on the Mount. Can you summarise the Sermon on the Mount for me? I think I can. See, someone said our prayers are our creeds. If you want to know what a person believes, listen to them as they pray. If you want to know what Paul's doctrine was, listen to the way he shapes his prayer. Our prayers sum up what we believe. So go back one page to Matthew now, chapter 6, and remember that Jesus at this point is actually talking about prayer. He's talking about giving. He's talking about praying and he's talking about fasting. He says, don't do your acts of righteousness so that everybody will know. Do them for an audience of one. But notice what he says. This then, verse 9, is how you should pray. Now I ask you, do you pray the Lord's Prayer? It's a great thing to pray this prayer thoughtfully. And I remind myself of three things as I pray this prayer because it is this prayer which sums up the core of what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Our prayers are our creeds. Point one, our. It's a family prayer. It's not my, it's our. We are together the family of God. And it doesn't say our king. It says that God is more familiar and we are in intimate relationship with him our father in heaven great words think about that I have a father I am a son a daughter and my father is in heaven second thing I notice my concern is about his reputation hallowed be your name my aspiration is that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven because my father is the king and it is his kingdom I want to see grow. One, he is our father. Two, my aspiration is for his reputation and his kingdom. And three, I'm reminded to humble myself in dependence on him. I depend on him, verse 11, for my daily bread. And I depend on him for my spiritual health, forgiveness of my sins. And I depend on him to deliver me from the claws of the evil one. Deliver me from temptation. So there it is, dear friends. The Sermon on the Mount, summarised, if you like, by the Lord's Prayer. And we often don't use it. <laughs> you, you, you say it by rote. Don't say it by rote. It's important. Say it to yourself before God intelligently as a reminder. Heavenly Father, I'm part of your family. This is my concern, your reputation for the growth of your kingdom. This is what I need from you. I'm humbly dependent on you for food. I'm humbly dependent on you for forgiveness. I'm humbly dependent on you for deliverance from the evil one. Heavenly Father, make your name and your rule more dominant in my life. Wise, fool. The wise man, the king, rules through his word. His word is to be heard and put into practice. The fool, well, they're just words and they're interesting for a conversational interest between us. The fool.
In 2002, uh, I was working at SMBC. We had a visit from a man called Bishop Stephen Bradley. Stephen Bradley had gone as a missionary to the Zulus in South Africa in 1935 and had become a bishop of the Church of England in South Africa in 1965. He heard me preach that day. After six weeks, I received a letter from him before he was to go back to South Africa for what turned out to be the last time. He thanked me for my sermon. He said, however, that my sermon and all the sermons he'd heard in the six weeks that he'd been in Sydney had one thing in common. Oh, they were faithful, but there was not one word of warning in those sermons. It was a rebuke. What is it? We love people when we tell them what they need to hear. We love ourselves when we tell people what they want to hear. And I put it to you, if you're anything like me, Jesus is never more ignored than when he speaks about the future. Oh, it couldn't be like that, could it? Have a look there at verse 13. Test yourself. Do you believe it? Jesus says in verse 13 of chapter 7, he says, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Friends, there will be a destruction. We'd rather cancel that out. We don't like to hear about that. But according to the Lord Jesus, there will be a destruction. Verse 19, a good fruit is cut down. A tree that does not bear good fruit, verse 19, is cut down and thrown into the fire. A destructive fire, yes. Do you believe that? Yes, says Jesus, it is a destructive fire. Verse 21, those who say, oh, Lord, Lord, I never knew you. Away from me, because you did not do the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus warned us because he loves us and he warned us about the future. But have you ever noticed that he warned us twice as much about hell as he did about heaven? You say, add up the words of Jesus. He, he, he talks twice the volume about hell as he does of heaven, because he wants to warn us. There will be some here today who need to bow the knee to King Jesus. They need to recognise that he is God's King, resurrected from the dead, and they need to repent of self-rule and come to him. But there will be others who need constantly this reminder. It's not just a title. He's not just Lord by title. It is a functional role. Is he my Lord? I do not want to leave church today a bigger fool than when I came into church by deceiving myself if we merely listen and do not do what it says. Friends, here is the wise life. When the storms of life come against us, do you recognise Jesus is Lord? Are you actively living under his rule? Are his words put into practice? And ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. I've done this this past week and I've been in a number of sticky situations. I haven't reacted quickly, but slowly, Holy Spirit, help me to respond in a way which is consistent with putting the words of Jesus into practice. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Best way of doing that, when we're together, 
take the Lord's Prayer. Every other day of the week, take the Lord's Prayer and pray it thoughtfully. Now, Ellie and Ned are going to put the Lord's Prayer up and that's how we're going to respond. It's in your bulletin sheet as well, if you'd like to take it there. Let's bow in prayer and pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And our Heavenly Father, we pray that as we live as citizens of your kingdom, that your rule will be more dominant in our lives. We ask this for the glory of your Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen.